When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential on this Oscars Nominations Day. So many things happened. 11 nominations to Everything Everywhere All at Once, 9 for Banshees of Inisherin, No Women Directors, and Andrea Riseborough's Celebrity Friends made a campaign happen in a couple of weeks. We're going to get into all of that. I'm so thrilled to have both Ryan McQuaid and Eric Anderson of Awards Watch with me for their immediate reactions. Thank you so much, guys. Hello. That's the correct order, by the way, of saying things. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You boys are rowing. <laughs> Keep rowing. <laughs> Well, I'm going to we're going to run through this. I want to hear how you've reacted to this morning. What I thought we'd do is we'd go through the nominees in the order that they were announced. I don't want to be rude, but I'm not going to do the shorts because there's so many new ones that I haven't seen. And I want to talk about them properly um, when we get to that. I hope that's okay with you guys. Wow, Christina hates short people. Good to know. Yeah, no. I'm short myself. She's the 94th so. Oscars. That's what she. <laughs> no, but I, well, next time we I talk to you guys, we'll get into those properly. I'm going to get started. I'll read them. You guys give me your commentary. Best Supporting Actress was the first one given out. We had Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow, The Whale, Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Hsu, yay, for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Those Eric? were the nominees. Yes. yes they were. <laughs> Surprised? Uh, no, because I did go a little outside to predict uh, a Jamie Lee Curtis snub in favor of Dolly De Leon, uh, who clearly would have been sixth in this race, looking at the other nominations that Triangle of Sadness got. So this this was it. This was the most common predicted five. Yeah, there. This one wasn't full of any surprises, other than the fact that we were. I know Eric was at least, and a lot of people were predicting that maybe one of those actors that usually misses the Oscar nomination after gaining all of the industry and critic uh, nominations usually misses. And we all kind of assume that might've been Jamie Lee Curtis. She might've been a little bit vulnerable, um, but this was a, a sign to come with everything everywhere all at once showing and flexing its muscles a little bit in landing both of these nominations in this category. Yeah. Four actors they have, right? That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and- Two movies have four acting nominations this year. It's amazing. And Angela Bassett, is this, am I correct in that this is the first um, actor nomination for a Marvel movie? Yes, that is correct. That must be a sign of things to come. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is a sign. I think it's a sign of a specific performance hitting at the right time, given the narrative around the film and its nature of existing. I think that 
you know, they've tried many times before to get films nominated and they just didn't hit the right buttons or it didn't connect enough with voters. But this emotionally, I think enough uh, is able to to get over the finish line. Plus also Bassett's uh, a very respected actress in her own field and has a very overdue narrative over the years of, of that. She should have won her best actress for what's love got to do with it many, many years ago. So that 29 years ago. Yeah. So it hits right at the right points uh, and checks all the right boxes. Moving along to best costume design, we have Babylon, Black Panther, Elvis, everything, everywhere, all at once. And Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, which I wasn't counting on. But were there any surprises there for you? Everything, yeah, everywhere. everything, everywhere getting in was a big surprise. Yeah, that was a, that was a huge surprise. But again, it also showed the that this was a pl- the strength of it. It was in, in in everything, and we'll talk about the film's overall strength later. But it was it was that was one of those bubble nominations that it could get. And if it could get in here because it is modern costumes, that is the that's the thing that I, I think a lot of us were were sort of hung up on. It's like, well, you know, they don't usually go for costumes made in uh, this millennium. And so it's it was a, a shocking um, thing, but but a very happy one to see. Yeah, I, I think I think there were four that were pretty locked. Elvis, Black Panther, Babylon and Mrs. Harris were pretty locked. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the fifth. I had the Woman King. I think there were a lot of ways that could have gone. So this was a good one. But I and I think the costumes are incredible, and there's so many of them. You know, they just jump through time, and there's beautiful costumes, and there's sort of day to day costumes, and it really shows a range of different. Yeah, and sci-fi. I mean, there's yeah everything from her her vest at the laundromat to that gorgeous beaded gown. But it does time hop so much that you do get a lot of of periods. Yeah, we should have well, thought of that. As well, as sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, and, and especially also, I mean, everything within Stephanie Shu's wardrobe as well, too. I mean, that's I think the, that's the reason why this got it. Yeah, the iconic yeah. looks. The the even within just her her opening right where she walks into that Elvis Presley sort of outfit and and is changing things left and right. Like it's, it is a showcase for costumes for sure. Um, It was just about getting over the hump within, within the voting body. And it surely did. Maybe it's just an overriding love for Elvis overall. That's true. Yeah. Maybe they just were like, this is just a continuous, like a, a like a spinoff. Yes. You know? <laughs> just keep them coming. Um, Shirley Carada, she's she's the costume designer. What has she done before? I'm not particularly familiar with. No I'm one is. <laughs> no one is. I think that, but I think that this is. I think a lot I, of the people on Everything Everywhere, this is their first big anything. Yeah, and it, and it helps then going forward because then they're allowed to be a part of this club. So then when when there are other films down the road, we can potentially think of them for uh, for um, Oscar nomination consideration. So best sound, um, this the first time we talk here about All Quiet on the Western Front, which would which is going to take eight as we move along. That's pretty good. The German Netflix hit. Um, we also have in sound Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun Maverick. Well, this was where one, well, I can't speak today. This was one of the categories where I think people thought if everything everywhere all at once was going to overperform, this is a place where it could have landed. Obviously, it is a key nomination if you want to win Best Editing, at least seen over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And Top Gun Maverick getting in here 
uh, obviously landing the editing nomination kind of feels like maybe that's going to lean sort of that way, maybe a Ford v. Ferrari situation for it. But yes, the first spot for All Quiet on the Western Front, and uh, it and it kept on moving kept throughout on the rest moving. of the day. Yeah. Okay, music. We have a big snub for me. Um, original score. There we are again. Ooh. All Quiet on the Western Front. We have Justin Hurwitz for Babylon, Carter Burwell for The Banshees of Nishiran, Son Lux for Everything Everywhere All at Once, John Williams for The Fablemans. And no, Hildur Gudnarsdottir for Women Talking, which I've listened to every day no since Pinocchio. I first saw it. No Pinocchio. Yeah. Oh. All those are big snubs. Big. That was a that was a shock to me because of how much the branch loves Alexander Desplat, and um, you know it, it, it. I I couldn't believe though that they. I mean, we kind of figured maybe all quiet, but everything everywhere all at once showing up here was again I think, right. The shocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really was. And and we knew that Tar wouldn't get in because it wasn't eligible because it had too much original music, yeah. right? Yeah. But still, the, the fact that Hilder's been so strong this year with both that one and, and women talking, I was just convinced that absolutely this would she would be in here. Previous winner, too. Um, but it also just, it's the continuance of that movie underperforming in places that it should have performed way better throughout the entire season but we'll talk about that later and i am i like the only one that didn't like the weird techno piano note in all quiet on the western front <laughs> i i thought it was pretty cool but oh, maybe liked it. yeah i thought yeah. it was everyone loved it but me i just it jarred me <laughs> yeah. was it, it was so I, I can scary. see that yeah the music yeah. was scary mm. very german <laughs> <laughs> yeah the two writing ones we have we start with adapted screenplay again all quiet on the western front we have glass onion a knives out mystery living um we have top gun maverick and here women talking sarah Pauly. it was so nice to see the academy nominate five really good scripts and not choose a very bad one with the whale so it was very no. nice to see that yeah. That no. the narrative uh, for the whale is Top done Gun, really? in this category. Top Gun is a horrible, horrible nomination. It's a heck of a lot better than, in Nobody my opinion. Nobody cares about your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and yet I was brought on here just like you. I was first build. Remember that. <laughs> Might have to retake that intro. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know we might have to redo the intro just to mess it up. But no, but I, I do think that for a long time, we thought that women talking was vulnerable here in this spot. And a lot of people were then predicting the whale because of the PGA nomination. And it's, and then, you know, it's it doing well, you know, especially with Hong Chow getting in alongside Brendan Fraser, that that was the potential for that movie to, to pounce in and, uh, and, um, you know, devour the competition here in this category um but women talking was it feels like that's always been the placeholder for it it's it's you know we'll talk about it being in best picture later but it, it is it's looking good for that film though keep an eye on maybe all quite on the western front for a screenplay spoiler, too any shigeru for living i think that has mm-hmm. a lot of love yeah that too obviously ryan johnson once again being the lone nominee for this really was his, knives um, out part two yeah <laughs> It really was. 
whether he wants to call it knives out two or not he really performed with the way um but still a great nomination deserving and and listen i'm not going to begrudge the top gun maverick um screenplay i think it's really good i think it's really poignant and i think that also too it's what carries the film for me over the top because of the fact that that movie was, if you read behind the scenes, having a lot of production problems, they brought in Christopher McQuarrie to fix the script. And I think that that's, what's really resonated, not just with audiences, but with voters. Well, I'll give well. you that. It is a pretty, in a way, a brilliant script that brought this <laughs> cough, cough from Eric there <laughs> that brought <Sorry>. this. <laughs> that was an actual cough. After so many decades, um, was able to find both the old audience and a new audience. So I'll give it that. But um, I was still a bit surprised to find it here. But moving on mm. to original, there we have Martin McDonough for Banshees of Inisherin, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinart for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Östlund for Triangle of Sadness. This was. I missed mm, After Sun. I missed After Sun so much. Charlotte Wells. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got I got this five because I switched out after Sun for Triangle because if I was going to predict it in Best Picture, I had to make things make more sense. So this was a pretty yeah. easy five. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of walked in with four and figuring out which is which of those two films, After Sun or Triangle Sadness, was going to be. Uh, the little darling that gets in at the, the the final spot. And yeah, I think that this is, this is a very strong category. This might be one of the strongest original screenplay categories we've had in a very well. And time. it's also the exact same five as best director. And those directors wrote these. That's the first time that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> that's fine. We haven't no, done no, director yet. <laughs> Oh, Oslin's also the first. Um, I gotta put this in my in my stat thing. He's the <laughs> the first Swedish writer in this category uh, that is not Ingmar Bergman. Right. <laughs> really. But one thing is not like the other, though. Well, one is alive and one is not. Come. So the- one is a legend and one is Ruben Oslin. You know what I mean? So I, I guess he should have written Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he should have. He would have. Yeah, I want to see. Would have made a lot more money at the box office. <laughs> yeah, but that he is, the would. next movie is making is on a plane. <laughs> yes, it is. So you'll get something oh. like it. But get your barf bags it's ready. Let's be go. A gimmick that doesn't sick the landing. <laughs> oh, that's my opinion. Yeah, she said it, and I agree. <laughs> Best supporting actor: Brendan Gleeson. The Banshees of Nisharan, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Keegan for The Banshees of Nisharan, and Kihu Kwan for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This was not as easy to predict. What say you? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was, I wasn't shocked with it was Brian my number Tyree six. Henry, to be honest with uh-huh. you. It was my number six, and too. I was like was really seven, close, but. Because I thought they were going to just be yeah, really gross course, and, yeah. you know. Put Eddie Redmayne in there. <laughs> or I, I thought Jared Leto. I thought <laughs> I had Brad Pitt um, for Babylon, um, thinking you know that that film would get the sort of nightmare alley bump that Eric put in my head. It was thinking that that could happen. Sort of close. And yeah, so it was, Pitt, it was close. Sure. Um, but yeah, but um, but yeah. 
who'd have thought that Paul Dano is Jamie Dornan and I mean, or Katrina exactly. Bouse in this case, and 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 Judd Hirsch is he, Judy Dench. Eight minutes of screen time. Um, yeah. yeah, eight minutes of screen time. I mean, it is a wonderful scene. And Christina, you and I talked about it when we talked about the Fablemans. But Paul Dano's performance, too. Like, what does the man have to do to get an Oscar nomination? He is so good in, in pretty much everything he does. And he gave two great performances this past year from the Fablemans and the Batman and and just not enough to get over the top and it's it feels like one of those yet again for him where it's like we like you maybe another film down the road and maybe they just didn't connect with the subtlety of it but it was interesting that he connected at sag but not with the oscar nomination that's that's so wild this movie's trajectory with its oscar nominees as opposed to like where it's hit at the baftas or where it has attended baftas or sag or globes are all over the place it is a wild trajectory. Well, also too, I mean, in the four acting categories, there's only four returning nominees. It's it's like unprecedented how many first timers this year has really across the board, but definitely in the acting categories. And I, we're going to talk about that and best actor, but I think this category, they like others were looking for somebody looking for somebody that they know and judd hirsch also uh broke henry fonda's nomination gap record uh so it was 42 years oh wow uh ordinary people and an interesting scenario had like they both been in because hirsch was you know low screen time and going up against a supporting co-star who had significantly more and that could have happened again, but it did not. Yeah. Well, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, we moved on to best music, original song. Um, Diane Warren is back <laughs> with applause. What is this? Number 15, 14, 15. This is 14, 14. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like number a thousand for her at this point, for God's sakes. So glad I stuck Stop. with that. <laughs> <laughs> It's ridiculous. This is ridiculous at this point. Just give her but one Ryan, so then she can just like. This, she has to be a part of this. She's like a talisman now. She's going to be there every year until our generation is over. Yes. <laughs> she's she's not even. She's not even. She's like even more than like the Meryl Streep at this point. Yeah. It's so sad. It's so but sad. This, this oh was an God. absolute yeah. like make or break year because she had just gotten her honorary. So. This was going to let us know if the music branch was like, okay, we can stop. But they were done with, they said, nope. Um, also, <laughs> Lady Gaga is also back with the Hold My Hand from Top Gun, Lift Me Up, a Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Rihanna, um, Natu Natu are from RRR, and This Is a Life from Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is just, this is justice for American Utopia in 2020. Like this is this is of all the over nominations that you know predicting or or under predicting for everything everywhere. This was the one I was like, if there is a god in heaven to get David Byrne nominated for an Academy Award, please let it happen for this movie. And it's such a interesting way that they did this song because the you know the way in which you know Ryan Lott wrote the music and wrote the first part of it and then burn listened to that and wrote the music for his part 
already after the fact and they layered it on top and it kind of fits the theme of the film this sort of multiverse universe layering but there's like this sweet sort of love song quality to it it's such a great uh, nomination. Mitski, hello and uh, and Mitski That's too yes great yes, nomination honestly, here no it's yeah it's both it's both it's a this is a wonderful surprise to happen and i cannot freaking wait to see this performed live i cannot wait to see this performed live no one really mm-hmm. likes Gaga or Rihanna songs, though, but we enjoy the performance. It's because but they we'll fall listen asleep to them 30 anyway. seconds in because they're so goddamn boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rihanna's going to have a, a big moment, too, because she's got the Super Bowl coming up and she has uh, and this Oscar nomination could really play into her favor to maybe take this one oh, home. God, I <laughs> I'm, t- I'm just saying, uh, hey, I, I will take. Any of those four, if it's not really for applause, because like, that movie doesn't exist. What's it called? The movie doesn't exist. Oh, yes, new body yeah. rumba. New body rumba. What I wanted, but also too no Chow Papa, no Taylor Swift. Well, well, I mean that one, Christina, no Taylor Swift. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. she got, she got mm, shut out that twice. big to get she an Oscar nomination for live action. Didn't yeah. make it for song. Sorry. And the world spins around perfectly today. <laughs> Maybe she's going to take over for Diane Warren when Taylor Swift will be there. <laughs> she can borrow yeah. Diane's cats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, next year we may have the Thelma and Louise musical. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't even want to think about that, Christina. <laughs> I'm very triggered. <laughs> We're going I, over that's the cliff. Be the best part. I yeah, want just, that song. Yeah. Like it's the ballad the, over the cliff? Hold yeah, my as they're hand falling down. as we go over the cliff. Yeah, hold there, my hand. That's where it should have yeah. worked. There you go. Lift I mean, me but, up over this goddamn so cliff. But they're so busy working on it, they may not be able to come, as told them. Oh. <laughs> the last one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh, my God. All right. <laughs> so best documentary feature, um, All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. This worked out pretty well i had all of these i think no major snubs people were worrying me that all the beauty and the bloodshed and fire of love wouldn't be there i don't know why everyone started thinking of that but well i think people think that because this branch over the last couple years when you've had like a critic's choice or you've had critical consensus around a pick they sort of teeter off and and in the academy branch within you know they they do their own thing so they're a wild card or whatnot. But this year and last year, they have sort of kept with the consensus. Last year, that was Summer Soul that ended up winning. And the consensus is Fire Love, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. And those both made it in here. And that was very, um, very good for it. I mean, obviously, Navalny is very timely, too. All that breathes. I was surprised a little bit about House Made of Splinters, think, to be I honest. I think Dan predicted that. that, Dan Bear. I think so for for uh, our contributor over yeah. at Awards Watch, and um, yeah, and if if that's the one I missed, well, I mean, I'm yeah, fine. that that means I'm that Netflix that. missed with the Obama produced descendant, uh, descendant, which was yeah. a popular which really prediction, um, which which is also like I believe, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first times they've missed this, the category. This, this is the category um, that that they, got them their first win that got. Netflix, their first Oscar. Yeah, for American Factory. Oh, Icarus. Yeah. 
oh, that Icarus, was their I'm first, sorry. and yeah, then from Icarus. then it's it kind of like steamrolled. Well, in this next category, it may get them Netflix their first win here for best animated feature with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. There we also have Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. Perfect category. Perfect category. No notes. No notes. It It, it is. I had predicted uh, My Father's Dragon because it was Cartoon Saloon, but... Uh, which is also Netflix, Sea Beast, also Netflix, much better film. And I had Wendell and Wild, other than Sea Beast, uh, also first. Netflix. Yep. <laughs> I thought I had Sea Beast at six, and and I put the stupid dragon movie in because you, like, you guys made a fault. good cartoon. I know mm-hmm. it was your fault because I was like, man, that get, they got that Sea Beast stuff out early, and they got it in in front of people, and it was in. I just was like the hell's the sea beast and and then i watched it it was good it's really good and so but man like good for marcel the show with shoes on being one of i believe the first to ever feature live action fight to get into this category um, didn't live action characters inside an animated film and they over they got over the hump that was the lego movie um but uh and also like puss in boots which is just like a masterpiece uh, the, the the last watch, uh, but Pinocchio. This was its only nomination. That's surprising. And, but I still think it'll. I think it's gonna pretty. It should have had five at the least. The least. Mm-hmm. least. Should have had five nominations. Yeah. We moved on to best makeup and hairstyling. Here we have again all quiet on the Western Front. The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and the Whale. Also pretty predictable, right? I, no. I don't think all quiet was. I I was I looked I Were you super shocked. shocked. By that? I looked back at history and war movies do not do well in makeup and hairstyling. They just don't. But I think they really voters really looked at this differently than just like a blood and guts dismemberment kind of makeup. And I think they were really, really moved and captivated by the mud and dirt and snow and everything. But wasn't it someone on, on the like right watch? Because I actually wasn't so surprised that I heard someone on your show or read somewhere that someone said just because of the mud and, and the whole mm-hmm. that was talking about that in particular, that this, this was mm-hmm. feeling like it could be something. That would that would have been me. When you're wrong, me. it's I, I Eric's fault. And when you're not Yeah, it's exactly. But when I'm right now you get it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Definitely. Um, but no, uh, I I it just all the marketing material for the film displayed that sort of dirt clay like makeup all over Felix uh Kemmerer's, uh lead character in the film. And if you are looking kind of just at that specifically. It is impeccable work. I am surprised that something like that got in there and yeah, Bond didn't here. get in. Like three out because of five. That is, this is so, that's such showy makeup. And obviously we knew Elvis was going to get in there um, and the Batman in the whale for its prosthetics. So Black Panther getting in here, it makes sense, but I thought it was more the yeah. vulnerable one. I yeah, said, no, I thought I'm, it was. Because of Blot's yeah. showiness. You know what, what did I mean? you? Which so, ones did you think um, it was going to be, Eric? I had I had the whale, Batman, Elvis, blonde in Amsterdam. It just it had oh, this yeah. like That's weird sneaky. Here's like a bad movie, but we really really like these period looks. Uh, 
So, uh, yeah. There's always one that gets you. <laughs> the category. Thank God we don't have to say Oscar nomination, Oscar nominated film Amsterdam this year, right? Like, good for that. I'm we not, did I'm it. Not sad about that, yeah. <laughs> Best production design again, all quiet on the Western Front. Avatar: The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. I kind of loved that because it was all alphabetical. That this was almost always the first movie that either Riz Ahmed or Alice Williams said, and it just started getting almost kind of funny. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. And after like five or six, he was just like, all quiet on the Western front. (laughs) I love this nomination. This is a good one, too. I have no notes here unless you guys have any. Well, it's good. Black Panther didn't get in, which I think a lot of people thought it would, myself included. Returning winner. Um, But yeah, the relationship with sequels this year was slightly mixed mixed yeah i would say definitely mixed um you know in specific categories and i think that people were expecting black panther to do a lot better because it was returning a lot of its previous winners or nominees Mm -hmm. but that does not just because one does not equal always the next and and this was definitely the case i think that it was a little shock. It was a little shocking based off of the way that the morning was going that everything everywhere all at once did not get into this category because that is, there's a lot of different set designs. It's a lot of different worlds. It's a lot of, uh, you know, of things that are being built in that film. And so I was kind of surprised that um, I'm, I'm honestly like surprised that avatar got in here. And the, and the reason why is because like that movie is so CGI heavy that uh, for the branch to find the production design for it is there's I mean, actually more production. There's more the physical production design in this than there was in the first, the entire third act with the sinking thing. That's like, yeah. that's a real structure. Yeah. Like yeah, I guess not so. as big as Titanic, obviously, but yeah, I just I just think an hour of that is like in the water and these and if you you know and you look at some of these sets or whatnot, they're done in this giant like hangar bay. <laughs> and so it's and so a lot of them aren't like fully built because the 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 visual effects uh flesh them out. But it's it I'm not saying it's undeserving. I'm just I'm I'm surprised I'm, by it because they usually tend to go for the bigger structures or things that are more than the eye you know, is manipulated with. All right. Film editing. 
There we have the Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Ryan, you were talking about... Oh, it's almost like it's your best picture top five. Almost. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, almost. Um, this is this is a huge... Um, it's huge that these top four, um, Banshees, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Tar don't have... Uh, something that Top Gun Maverick has, which is that sound nomination. Um, this would be the year, though, because we're breaking history left and right and breaking trends. This would be the year to do that. Um, Top Gun isn't a, a very, very good, very well executed, edited film for sure because of its action sequences. But you have obviously, <laughs> I think the opening of Elvis speaks for itself. Um, I think, you know, Banshees in Tar, these sort of meticulous slow burns of editing and then of course everything everywhere all at once you have the jumping back and forth and everything that is to be honest of all these nominees the most editing i believe is is everything everywhere all at they once win. and they do tend yeah. to award that yeah the win so but also targeting in here hell yes hell <laughs> yes i was so excited about this and i was like because eric and i were talking about it all week we were like Tar's going to get into cinematography or editing. It just kind of feels like that. We just yeah. don't know which one to predict. I ultimately didn't predict either one because I was, I just, it's my favorite movie of the year. I just didn't want to predict, you know, good things to happen for myself today. And, uh, and then when it got in here, I was like, I, that was the first time I screamed all day. I was like, oh my God, like what is happening? So um, the nomination is the win for it, obviously, but you know. It's, well, it's it is always yeah. nice yeah, to see things yeah. like this and Banshees get in because they are great examples of editing as a part of storytelling and and building tension and not simply cutting. Although, here's a place yeah. where All Quiet missed after absolutely dominating. Well, and here is a place where the yep. Fablemans miss. A movie that... It may not be like showing, but it is a movie with an entire sequence about yeah, freaking editing. I, I am. It's like it's, it's so on the nose. Yeah, this. Is, I mean, that's like you know, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris getting costume design. Of course, it is. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly. Shocked. It makes sense. Yeah, Brian, are you saying you're you're really leaning into a Top Gun Maverick best picture win? Are you? No, 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 no. I'm just saying the the screenplay getting in there helps build oh God, that narrative. If you totally want to go, go there, it. it really is. It's gonna, it's going to make the insufferable yeah. more insufferable. But I think that it's going to walk. I think it'll get sound. That's pretty easy. And this is a very tough category for it to win, even with the sound win, because you're talking about, you know everything everywhere in banshee said this performed very well you're talking about elvis which is very showy and even something like tar they have shown this academy today and every single body throughout this entire award season has shown that they like this movie and they're going to find a way to award it somehow it is overperformed from everything in, at this point, we all thought that maybe it was just Field and Blanchett early in the season, and it's really become more than that. And I think that it's it's sneaky in some of these categories and can swift uh, votes away from something populist like Top Gun Maverick. But 
I think that he could win this category and maybe that's it. And and that's okay. It's okay. If some of our films only win maybe one or two things, it doesn't mean that it's going to win best picture. All right. Cinematography again, all quiet on the Western front Bardo for the first time. Um, Elvis empire of light. And again, tar Florian Hofmeister. I love this category so much. Even the deacons of it all, you know, even, even it's not although bad. I don't think he should be here, but he is mm-hmm. always going to be here. So that's fine. I mean, yeah, I, I, again, <laughs> I, I, I love Tar's nomination because it's not the type of over the top showy cinematography. It's just really phenomenal framing. Um, Elvis, I love Elvis being here. Mandy Walker is only the third woman ever nominated in this category. Uh, I think the Bardo cinematography, they got ASC, is A+. I'm super excited to see that here, too. Big snub for Top Gun, though. The overwhelming winner during critic season, which was a surprise to everybody, but once it started... You you couldn't stop it. It won like a dozen things. It wasn't even just Top Gun too. If you look at this category, our top three best picture contenders did yeah. not make this lineup. And of the best director lineup, only one of the films in there made yeah. it in here as well with Tar. And again, I will reiterate, that is a sign of strength for a film like this. If it can carry something in like that and carry the a really good trifecta of editing, cinematography, and direction. I'm not predicting no, that as a win only one or anything, but it, all of those hands It's the only one that got all three. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, crazy. I mean, all. That's why when you saw this category when it unfolded, the when when it was going, I was like, oh, all quiet on the Western Front's getting into director. Then at that point, because it just makes sense given cinematography it's and everything that's going crazy on. Crazy that it didn't. All right, visual effects. Again, all quiet on the Western fronts. Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun, Maverick. Um, I mean, I had 13 lives getting in here, uh, but all quiet is a great nomination and sort of like that. And even a little bit also like Top Gun, it's more like supporting visual effects that, lift a film rather than visual effects that are the film black panther getting in though after the first one missed is a choice yeah i mean well i, I you know maverick could pull it out i mean i think it's between the, the two of those films i mean it would be really sneaky if all quiet on the western front ended up winning that category um but i w- i was disappointed that something like nope didn't make it into this oh, so lineup. I think that that is that is such. I'm, I'm just disappointed in general the fact that that movie and Jordan and Pills, that Hoyt didn't get cinematography. Yes, talk about a. I mean, it, take out Deacons and put in Hoyt. Yeah, but take out Deacons and put in Hoyt Van Hoytema, and and who will probably get nominated. Well, we say next that year every year for. Well, he is working on Oppenheimer, so that's that's that kind of he helps. To be in in a stronger favor, film, but, he's not the uh, type of cinematographer that can just get in on his own. Not yet, no. Um, but but yeah, I I I think it's Avatar or Top Gun. But 
with me leaning definitely more towards Avatar. Um, don't give me that <laughs> look. Don't give me that look, Eric. Because of the fact that I don't know, they might love the movie more. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm but saying a potential sport. I'm saying Avatar is going to win at this point. I can't even no, give it. No, you can't. Look at, see the That's kind of what, 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 what I get every single chaos day? for when there isn't it. <laughs> There's plenty of chaos. In- <laughs> I love chaos. Don't you love chaos? Uh, yeah. What are you talking about? All right, best actor. Here's one of the ones that I actually had predicted all of these, so this wasn't much yeah. a surprise. But Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell, The Banshees, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Paul Meskel, Yay, After Sun, and Bill Nye Living. That made me so happy with Paul Meskel. Extremely, extremely, <laughs> extremely happy that Paul Meskel got in because this was a pretty solid locked. Four, uh, those those four had gotten everything, so it was they were pretty easy to predict. And you know, we were looking at who that on that bubble for the fifth was going to be, and the threat of that eighty-eight year best actor stat was staring at us right in the face, and it blew up. Thank God. I am so happy that we do not have Tom Cruise in this category. It's not even funny. <laughs> or, you know, Hugh Jackman or Tom Hanks. Yeah, well, Hugh Jackman for that movie would have been. Eric's so distraught about Hugh Jackman today. I, I, really I, I am, but for totally different reasons, Ryan. <laughs> no, I, I, I never thought Tom Cruise was going to be a thing. And I think that that was an internet thing also pushed by people that that are in higher places that know better than that. And, and to be honest with you, it, it's not also a performance that usually gets celebrated. I mean, if you're going like, let's use this as an example. If a movie that's in the action genre was going to get a, a, a with a best picture nomination, that one had a best director nomination. Why didn't someone like Charlize Theron for Furiosa get nominated for Mad Max Fury Road? And she's a previous Oscar nominee and winner. You know what I mean? So these, you know, and and that film was much more beloved by the Academy than something like Top Gun Maverick, clearly. So what I'll say is, is not every year is the same, but it is interesting that the pendulum swings from one year to another. We had all previous nominees last year. We were trying to figure out who's going to be the one new person to get in there. And it was nobody. And now this year it's who's going to be the Oscar nominee to, you know, from, from previous ceremonies. And it was none of them. So it's, it's really interesting to see the sort of pendulum swing and probably next year we'll just go back to being more hopeful. Maybe it'll be a normal year, but this is what Eric 88 years of history being made. And it's wonderful. These are, these are great things to talk about these wonderful historic moments. Also a movie that, like Paul Mescal in After Sun, a movie that I personally have seen Eric Anderson cry to in person. Um, well, and I join uh, you many times. And who I've hasn't? Eric and I talked, we cried to every movie this year. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were like, you guys were like sponsored by going, Kleenex for crap. I was, a, I was, I was a little <laughs> concerned when After Sun missed screenplay. Um, just because that really cool win at the National Society of Film Critics uh, for Charlotte Wells in Best Director. Not that it's a stat, but when a director wins there, there's usually at least one nomination at the Oscars somewhere. So that still holds. Thank goodness. 
But what do we make of this? It feels like that the whale got less than was expected. Does that mean Brendan Fraser's chances are a bit less or? Um... Yeah, of course. It's I, it's what it's I, been it's all not what it's been it's all, been all long. <laughs> Now, though, it is a real race. Oh, it was a real race beforehand. And you didn't want to admit it. Awards Watch listeners out there, if you go back to last week's taping of the Awards Watch podcast, you'll clearly hear Eric Anderson go back and say that it was a lock for best picture. And therefore, he was a lock. Yeah. And then it it didn't. Not even adapted screenplay. So. And I think that that's big because of the fact that. It, it's a big deal because when it gets down to these voting bodies and it gets down to um, who they're going to vote for and what movies they're going to see right at the last second or movies that they are going to put on for rewatches, they tend to lean more towards the films nominated for Best Picture unless you're a sweeper. And Brendan Fraser is not yet shown to be a sweeper but his narrative is so good and the speech he has given that's tell was just i mean i mean it just feels like he has so much love true it but it was at critics choice and that did not and you talk about the golden globes having bad rating critics choice had like six hundred thousand people watching it now are all those voters going to go online i i don't know are they going to seek it out i don't know but clearly the screen, the screenplay branch did not go for the film overall. It did not go for in picture. It may just be a Brendan thing, or it might be Colin Farrell, or I think stronger would say that it's probably Austin Butler for for that film. And that's a good place to reward that film. And there are other places to award uh, Banshees of Inisherin. I know they don't always think like that, mm-hmm. but sometimes they do think like that when it's well, in a and tight race. It's a very lopsided uh, viewpoint. For- within the Academy where a best actress winner doesn't require all of the things that a best actor winner does. And, you know, if we just had 88 years fall, I don't see why we can't have barely 10 years uh, fall in this category where a best actor winner doesn't have to be in a best picture nominee. What if he's just Jessica Chastain or Marion Cotillard or Meryl Streep and it's makeup and the acting win and that's it. Or according to Ryan, it'll be Tom Cruise, even if he's not nominated, he'll just. Oh, there you go. Get right in for Tom Cruise. Moving on to best actors, because I have some questions for you guys here. Um, the expected Kate Blanchett for Char, Anna de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Let's talk about the Riseborough campaign. What do well, you make of that? First of, first of all, I want to apologize to Eric, because on our last episode at Awards Watch, we went 30 minutes on Andrew Riceboro and I said, it doesn't matter about that. Like, who cares? Like, ugh. I was wrong, Eric. I, I, I accept my one time in my tenure with you as being <laughs> wrong. Um, but uh, but honestly, this I can't describe the words that I felt in the moment. I was shocked, I was perplexed. I've had a lot of conversations with people already this morning, the nuanced conversation, the confusion, the anger, the hurt, the 
the, the overall vibe of this nomination is a game changer in many ways good and in many ways bad in my opinion and i think that from going forward we don't know what the ramifications of a nomination like this or a campaign well, then, then, is then you, then, because we then it's not it's one or the other though it can't it can't be both we don't we it can no, definitely we don't be know both. if it's a game changer because yes. we don't know if this was a one off or not it's a game changer yeah. this well, year course, for this sure year. in the race but I mean, going forward, are we going to see more targeted specifically? Basically, her friends, a bunch of celebrities campaigned for including Kate Blanchett in her Golden Globe speech. This is a very, very small movie. And all of a sudden, every celebrity out there the last couple of weeks has endorsed Andrea Riceboro for this. And she got it. That's because Francis Fisher went to all of their houses at gunpoint and made them vote. (laughs) vote for it but that's that's the point is that it feels as if though something like this can occur and yet eric and i were talking about all season long about this being the potentially first time in oscar history in this category that women of color were going to dominate mm-hmm. the field viola davis daniel deadwire none of them gone that weiler nomiaki if you wanted to, you know, include that performance, even though she's well, gotten really Michelle no precursors, was you could do already that well. going to get in, and yeah, so it was going to look like and then Anna da- and then Anna Darmus, you know what I mean, yes. being right there as well. It would have it would have put it over. No, it would have it would have put it over the top. You would have had Latino representation. You would have had um, white actresses. You would have Asian representation. And if Daniel Detweiler and Viola Davis, who Viola Davis at least made everything daniel detweiler had made everything except golden globes it was a foregone conclusion that the final spot was actually michelle williams or daniel detweiler by some people or viola davis Mm -hmm. was vulnerable um i made the case that it felt weird not having michelle williams in that lineup because of the fablemans being stronger in best picture even though like clearly people were trying to make the case yeah it's really funny that two of the top publications officially predicted williams to get in supporting how'd that turn out and then she got yeah and she got in exactly where we thought she was so if she gets there then clearly unfortunately it's one spot left open and one would think oh the woman king because it's been at least a little bit stronger than till would get in and till has really only carried daniel detweiler plus it's viola davis for god's sakes was a four-time nominee, uh, one supporting actress for Fences. You think she'd get in? Instead, it, it is, is this strange grassroots campaign that is was only really done within the voting period. She was not really on the circuit. She has an Indie Spirit nomination to herself. That's mm-hmm. it. But do you see an issue with the campaign itself or a misunderstanding? I mean, what's the difference between her friends I saying do. it and Neon or Netflix or anyone paying millions of dollars for a campaign? Because it feels as if you've, for me at least, it feels as if this isn't a luxury that someone that is not a person of color can have, but a, 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 but she clearly is able to to get She's able to get this groundswell support within a two-week voting period to the land voting, a nomination for a movie days. that made twenty. Mm-hmm. 
or five days or whatever. And, and for a movie that made $27,000, as opposed to movies that made millions that are backed by giant corporations that are with actresses that have prestige and everything around it that have been an overall better awards players all season. It is quite, it's, it's, it's both alarming and exciting because then the possibilities open up for anything. But at the same token, though, it feels as if it was bought. It feels a little tainted, at least in my opinion. I know people are going to be different. No, but I just think some people will say that everything is bought. No, that's true. But also, where's the goalposts continue to get, keep getting moved for women of color, particularly black actresses in this category who have who have won it once? and never get multiple nominations in this category for different actresses, let alone get one, you know, Eric, anything to add? Um, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is weird. It's and normally in doing this, I'd be like super excited and super into it. This is exactly the kind of stuff that is fun about this process when you're on the outside of it, but there, it doesn't feel that way because, you know, people that keep calling it an organic uh, grassroots campaign, this that's not what this is like at all in any way. This isn't organic. It's not grassroots. This is top tier uh, at the top level. Um, and, you know, when somebody at the forefront of it makes a statement like, oh, Viola, Danielle, they're locked in. Put your vote for for Andrea instead. It's a, it's just such a, why phrase it that way? Why, why, why do that? Uh, I don't know. So it's, and you know, it ended up being like the 2012 director category when everybody just assumed Ben Affleck and Catherine Bigelow were getting in and that assumption led to a lack of votes. <laughs> it, it it goes back to if they, I, I think we've talked about this before, Eric and Christina, I think we've talked about this too, is that if there isn't enough passion for it, then they end up going for things that might be in their, either their favorites or they go for things that, are the most recent thing they've seen. And if they are going to screenings of two Leslie during critics choice and during the voting period, um, Demi Moore and Kate Winslet and Amy Adams are doing Q and A's. Uh, Ed Norton's doing TikToks, I guess about it. I don't know. You know what I mean? Then it's, it's clearly being pushed by not only just actors, but by the industry at large. And what's so weird about it is they didn't target SAG. They didn't target um, BAFTA. They didn't target Globe or Critics' Choice or anything like that, or even Indie Spirit. They just specifically targeted the five days of the voting period. And that's where it's like, it was an it's extraordinarily like efficient campaign. Yeah, it was. It is. Has she commented? Yeah. Yeah, she did this morning. She did this morning to Variety. And and it's so it is really really funny how not that she's not been vocal but she's been such a tiny part of it she's just kind of like sitting back like Regina George in Mean Girls at the, <laughs> in the cafeteria hallway where everybody else is just scrambling around and doing all the the work it's freaking hilarious. Well, 
so interesting. Let's see what happens there. It feels like there could be a backlash to this. So moving on to director. Here we have five guys, six guys. <laughs> Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin, <laughs> Daniel Kwan, um, Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Östlund for Triangle of Sadness. Yep, yep, yep. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. I was disappointed after two years of female directors and to see no one here with the quality of movies that women have done this year. I was disappointed. I'm disappointed that decision to leave is nowhere in sight. Or Park Chan-wook. Yeah, Park Chan-wook, exactly. Gina Prince-Bythewood was also someone to consider as well. Um, you know, obviously. Yeah, what happened? Why not all quite on the Western front here after everything? Why is he suddenly not getting directed? I, I, I mean, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that the reason why it is because we've seen this branch go for directors they sort of know rather than like newcomers a lot of the time, built in body of work. So they know more Ruben Oslin stuff and, and Edward Berger, this is sort of like his big sort of breakthrough. And, you know, like even Hamaguchi had more films or was known more than, than, than uh, Edward Berger or, you know, obviously Bong Joon Ho and and uh, Paolo Paukowski and yeah, I think um, that's I think that's a uh, certain component Caron. to it. But clearly, there was a a timing and a movement that got the movie into you know nine other categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think just I think the name does help it though when you're talking about the director's branch and. You know, I am surprised that he got in uh, Ruben Oslin because of the I'm fact that definitely not. You know, I I could ease. I I can see, and well, I I'm I'm surprised because I could see that director branch. It felt like the, if there was a place to reward triangle sadness, uh, a nomination, it did feel very strong, much stronger in screenplay mm-hmm. than it did in this place, and all quite on the Western Front. While it landed its screenplay nomination, it, I, I felt more like that would be the more conventional pick for them to go towards. Yeah. And Park Chan-wook, that movie doesn't direct itself. That is a movie. I'm shocked that that's not even an international. I don't understand what happened there. Yeah, that's a that's say. a whole nother that's a whole nother thing. Well, that's, I, that's I think what I think what this did uh is it it made the European Film Awards, the EFAs, even stronger than they were before uh, because Ausland and Triangle mm-hmm. absolutely dominated that. And uh, yeah. like Vinterberg did as well. Uh, so that is the that's the place to look at uh, for for this category. And even and I said this wrote this before, even though Triangle of Sadness is an English language film, it feels like a foreign language film. So it's still sort of, for I think a lot of voters covers that. It hits that. Uh, so this is more like a Yorgos Lanthimos nomination than, yeah. than what we've seen the last few years. Also continues the trend of Cannes and having that foreign nominee come in there for Cannes that lands in here. Um, Drive My Car did that, I believe. Well, we had a pandemic year, obviously, but I think another round was supposed to be there as well. Um, and yeah. of course, Parasite. So we've had that yeah. sort of trend over the last couple of years as well, too, to give us a little inkling. And obviously, the Palm Door winner was Triangle Sadness. So that kind of helps it out there as well. But I, I am I'm with you, Christina. I I 
my heart goes out for for Sarah Polly. I thought that all season long she was going to be uh, in contention a, a, a hell of a lot more. I know that you know there was also obviously like Baz Luhrmann and James Cameron and uh, SS Rajamouli and all these other directors that were thrown out there around. Um, but Sarah Polly to me, like that movie is is a beautiful film, and uh, I I don't understand. I, United Artists, someone over there is going to have to explain to me. Um, so there was what such a weird release plan on yeah. that movie. The release, the TikToks, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> no, I agree. And but at least it got. We're gonna really quickly soon talk about that. It did win best or get best picture, which made me really happy. But is there anyone else in director that surprised you? Or the- I was really happy to see the Joseph Kaczynski predictions not happen. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> we were holding hands together yeah, on that where people, yeah. people saw the prayer circle and were like, "Let's go!" <laughs> like he's exactly the I, um, type that doesn't make it. Make it. <laughs> I was so excited. Um, my heart was like beating when Todd Field's name came in because um, I'm just you know I've been I I feel so validated by that film all season long of just getting through and. And also to speaking with him, it's such a technically precise film. That's why I think, you know, it might've sort of taken the spot of being like the, the indie director auteur sort of spot, because that's a 95, 92 page screenplay that he fleshes out to two hours and 40 minutes. It's very meticulous, very slow. Um, and I, I'm just excited that they, they went with something like that. And then they went all the way with the Daniels, which is just batshit insane <laughs> insanity um, um, and super creative. But then also McDonough not getting snubbed. That was big because he had gotten snubbed before. Yeah, they see um, him as a screenwriter. You know, yeah. And then obviously Papa Spielberg getting in there. It's always nice, nice to see Papa Spielberg in there. <laughs> All right, so best picture, um, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. This is such a strong 10. Even I'm not like the biggest fan of Triangle of Sadness, and even like that's not, it's not as bad or worse or terrible as something like Don't Look Up last year. So... I mean, I, I I think that this might be one of the strongest best picture lineups. We have some big blockbusters here. Um, good mix with both Avatar and Top Gun and Elvis. And it's a very good mix. Well, it's interesting that um, PGA went for four sequels. And the Academy was like, hold on. We're good at two. I'm glad for that. Not that, not that you know, yeah. a sequel can't be a great movie, uh, and I would not have been upset to see Glass Onion here. Um, mm, yeah, good. But glad it, that I'm glad that they nominated Women Talking oh, over yeah. something like yes. The Whale. Well, you know? and the, you know the funny thing is that because they were going alphabetical and they they got to the end there, it was like everybody was hold like, on to okay, your seats. Yeah, it's The Whale. And then it wasn't. I was like, holy shit. Go, D.D. Gardner. <laughs> Francis McDormand. Yeah, can't I count screamed. Out, can't count out that that producing crew alongside it. And 
it really did a lot of heavy lifting because this movie had no PGA nomination, no individual acting. All it had SAG was really pushed this one forward. That's yeah. it. That's not happened before. This is. I mean, it was yeah. it was big from this. It yeah, it was big from the standpoint of that we thought that if SAG was going to push one of those other two, it was going to be to help Babylon over the top more than it was going to be to help maybe women talking, which would which was completely just you know decimated at BAFTA and everywhere else in between. So for it to get in, it it's a huge shock. It's a great nomination because that movie is fantastic. Um, but it was, I was, I, that was my other scream of the moment. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that they went for that because like Eric, to your point, the whale has become a, 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 a hit, um, at the box office and has done well. And that PGA nomination sort of leaned to a strength for it. And they just went, no, thanks, Darren Aronofsky. No, thanks. We say we're Rachel yeah. Weiss. You know what I mean? I missed decision to leave. There's a few other movies that didn't that we've talked about during the season, the mm. woman King, nothing. She said, Nope. Um, after sun again. Yes. After sun, um, white noise. Yes. I mean, there's a few things that didn't get in at all. I'm thinking that we probably thought would moon age daydream was one I thought would might get into documentary. Um, what are the biggest, are there any big snubs? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, individual pieces from things that got in elsewhere but you know it's impossible not to look at the fact that till nope woman king all got Saint zero Omer in international too right. yeah i know i wasn't but... think i had that like at 11 but i mean i mean looking at at these black led films and they just all got giant mm. zeros which is an internal problem that they're going to need to talk about also too it's about movies that connect and it's weird because you know nope is made by jordan peele and the movie was a success and the woman king was a success and a performance like daniel detweiler it's highly celebrated um you know made a lot of critics lists won won critics prizes as well as well as her landing outside of globes landing everywhere else she needed to. And yet that film didn't land anywhere else either. So that's where her vulnerability was. But I mean, you know, I think of, you know, you talk about like Pinocchio landing only one nomination. That's kind of surprising. Bardo, not Bardo getting the, the cinematography, but not getting into international feature is kind of interesting. That's, that's kind of, what we've heard the criticisms about that film were, man, it's good to look at, but once the people start talking, um, you know, kind of thing. Um, Babylon, I was thinking would probably Babylon. Yeah. I mean, obviously we didn't see things like broker um, that was early and that was early in the season, but didn't ever have a, a chance, but yeah, Babylon make not making him. It just came well, out last week. So. I know, but they've had screeners for a while. Um you know, there's, uh, she said, I think was also the one where it was either going to get that screenplay or it wasn't going to get anything. And it, it's really falling yeah. apart. I mean, descendants also too. And like we talked about in documentary, um, yeah, there, there were some, some wild swings, um, you know, other than black Panther, really not seeing them go for any other Marvel film in a year where like they had four Marvel films, especially in like visual effects, continuing that sort of trend as well. 
Um, but yeah, um, I'm I'm you know I'm also sad that the Academy um, refused to nominate a cannibal, and so they didn't nominate Mark Rylance for Bones and All. Like that's the performance <laughs> we all deserve. Sully, but Sully, man. I mean, come on. Also, that also not like Crimes of the Future not making it into makeup. That kind of like I know that that was like an off the beaten path pick for a lot of people, but uh, it's such inspired makeup work and stuff like that. It's little things, really, honestly. Like you know, um, even Greg Frazier's cinematography for like the the Batman too. There's little things that we all thought could have gotten in, but just just didn't go over the. Oh, Janelle Monae for Glass Onion too. That's someone that again, it was just Ryan Johnson. He's the only one I guess making those movies nowadays. You know, so. yeah. Him and him alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your last comments uh, for this uh, um, talk today, Eric, what give us your sort of last feel of this nomination process today? Well, I mean, I think we kind of went into this thinking that Banshees and everything everywhere were top two. And that's where the race uh, is. And it still is. Um, I, I think they both they both pretty much maxed out at the things that they needed and and i think for for everything everywhere it did even better i mean it missed a couple of things that it could have gotten but then it got things that were a little more unexpected so that's giving it broad branch support uh i didn't have anything getting double digits uh, and it barely did it got 11 and then a lot of things got you know seven eight nine yeah which is in it's it's interesting because it does signal a little bit of wealth spreading. And I think that's going to happen with winners once we start breaking down like the best picture nominees. Because I think most things have a really good chance of winning at least one. Um, but I I do think that uh I think everything everywhere has positioned itself extremely well i i wonderful any last words ryan <laughs> yeah i mean um i agree with eric i think um you know i went in not having any film get double digits and sort of was thinking that was incorrect uh but obviously you know allowing surprises allowing things to sort of unfold as they are and being a little bit more conservative actually did better this year going more conservative um with my nominations than last year which was great um but i i think that eric's right you know everything everywhere all at once you really can't call it an underdog anymore it's not an underdog anymore it's the front runner and the thing about it is 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 it a front runner that can sustain close to like 90 days left until the academy awards can or something along those lines right around that time timeline can it sustain going from one South by Southwest to a, to the, you know, premiere uh, that it had to the Oscar night during South by Southwest, um, which is when the Oscars will be handed out. Can it carry that momentum all the way through? It's obviously very well beloved and everything, or will the think pieces, will the tossing and turning, will the Academy turn like they did last year? Will they, will we start seeing the anonymous ballots, whether you agree or disagree and think that they're crazy or not, will they start telling us a different story? Will they start telling us that they're going for this film or that film? 
Will someone make a speech that that changes things? We don't we don't know. We're still in a very early stage, I think, before we get to the final voting. But it's it's definitely the front runner. Um, Banshees is right behind it. Honestly, it's those two, and I think that that's great. Yeah, and I and I and you know, I'm sad that it's not going to be the Fablements because I think that's a really wonderful film. But I think that it's got shot in director in other places. I think Tar's got a good spot. I think Avatar, Top Gun, Elvis, they've all got good spaces. I mean, we could possibly walk away with of like the nine or the 10 best picture winners or nominees, nine of them walk away with an Oscar. And I think that's pretty cool. I like it when they spread the wealth because there's not just one film in that dominates a year. I don't, I, I don't like sweeps. sweeps. No, they're easy to predict. You love, love them sweeps. to predict, <laughs> but I think yeah. But I love them. Be- but if it's between everything and Banshees, those two, I mean, that's a pretty terrific yeah, year. That's, you can't complain with either one of those films winning Best Picture, you know, when it comes down to it. Yeah. No, that, everything everywhere has the perfect convergence of being an underdog and a front runner. It is both Power of the Dog and Coda. It's both things. Yeah. Because yeah. the the thing that pushed Coda over the over the top was an enormous amount of sentimentality and uh, a very charming, engaging cast in person. Yeah, the narrative, the and everything everywhere has cast, that. Yeah. yeah. In, in mm-hmm. space, it has an enormous number of yeah. narratives. And I mean, yeah. And and, and one <laughs> one locked in yeah. winner. Well, yeah, one locked in winner. Most definitely the the front runner for SAG Ensemble. All eyes, I think, really are on PGA to see what you know, really happens there. But even yeah. then we've seen P- there's no reason why everything can't win PGA. It's a, <laughs> it's a massive success. And again, people are like Top Gun's going to win PGA and then it's going to win. Picture. Well, I, I like, only, I only say okay. that Eric because of the preferential ballot over there. That's the only reason why, but it's not the full Academy. And also we've seen PGA get awarded to something in recent memory, like in 1917. And then the Academy changed their minds and go with parasite. So, um, you know, I, <laughs> yes, but it's no, not. I'm I'm not okay. This is what I had to deal with every single day. Um, and uh, we started rowing and we're going, <laughs> we're going out, out rowing, <laughs> just like Banshee. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for this. It was so much fun. I know this is your one of your busiest days in the entire season, and thank you for spending this hour with me. Oh no, thank you for inviting myself and Eric on to do this. This is a- thank you, thank you for for inviting Ryan. I know it's kind of like a make a wish. <laughs> thing but this is and if if this is a make a wish then this is definitely a last wish sort of thing for eric so (laughs) (laughs) exactly and uh, uh, guys and i have to say to the listeners you guys go into awardswatch.com you have everything you need there um from analysis to uh, every single detail you can get up from now up until the end of this season and then again starting next season <laughs> and it does starts no, right back no, up I need, yeah. we need a rest we need a vacation <laughs> <laughs> there will be none <laughs> says your boss thank you so much thank you so much Well, hey, podcast listener, my name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. 
Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah. The rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.